It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Lincoln. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is the email address. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, on the website FlowTrack.org slash Podcast. Thunder and lightning this morning for me, Lincoln. What mm-hmm. about in your neck of the woods? Um, no, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe if it was maybe really early, but I would have slept through it at until about seven o'clock. So the grass is wet outside, but you know, you never know if that's just dew or if it, if it actually rained here. Uh, yeah, and it, it's, it's, it's calm in my neck of the woods here, Kevin. Okay. Well, in three hours when the storm gets to you, then <laughs> you can say that you were properly yeah. warned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, hopefully doesn't knock out the power. I'm getting a little worried because there is thunder and lightning. If it does knock out the power, no one will ever hear this. So this disclaimer <laughs> will be for not. On today's mm-hmm. pod, we did a deep dive last week on the Miracle Mile from 1954, Bannister v. Landy. We want to talk about another important race this time, but much more recent, the 2017 women's 1500-meter final. One of my favorite mile slash 1500s of all time and and i might add the great nick willis who was on the pod last week said it was one of his favorite too so that just cemented that we need to do this podcast with no prompting from me he offered that one up as one of his favorite races of all time that does lend it some some credence for sure uh you cannot argue with the names that are in this we will go through it in a bit but when jenzebe de baba gets dead last uh you know now you know, through faults of her own, but you know it's a deep race when 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 that happens. So uh, it's a good one, uh, and the race itself is, I think, quite unique. And you can almost break it down, especially the last like hundred meters. You could really watch that last hundred over and over and over again just to kind of just see how it unfolds and and see all the little things that break right for some people and wrong for others. Yeah, absolutely. And I did just that last night. I took copious notes. I didn't share them with you because okay. I wanted to get your well, I wanted to get your organic insight. I didn't want to sway mm-hmm. 
your opinion yeah, like on things because a lot of a lot of my notes are three words with an exclamation mark mm. after it. So I wanted to make okay. sure that that you had your own thoughts. You weren't influenced by mine. Before we do that, though, on Saturday night in California, Leo Dashback, a high school senior from Arizona, ran three fifty nine point five four in a all-star mile setup impromptu field that was cobbled together. He becomes now the 11th high school boy to break four in the mile mm -hmm. Lincoln and moves to number nine all time. what do you think of the race? Well, he's got the world record during a pandemic. So that's nice. He can say that he uh, is the fastest person to ever run while a nasty virus uh, was going on around in the world. I guess I haven't officially looked at all of them. Maybe somebody during uh, during the swine flu set a set a better record. Um, no, it was cool. I was, as you know, I was skeptical of this at first. I um, I know the high schoolers have been eager and wanting to get out there and been running some really good time trials, and it's cool to see what they can do with time trials um, because really you go through the high school season and you have your, you know, your county meets and your smaller meets and these guys ramp up until they're running uh, their state meets and they're finally in, in good fitness. And then they go into the national meets. And oftentimes, you know, we don't get to see the full measure of how fast they can go. Yeah. Just a limited, uh, limited opportunity considering 85% of their season guys of the quality of Dashbach are, are walking over the rest of the field. Uh, so to see him full out here and the way he finished was very, very impressive. I've learned to, to take a skeptical eye to these high school sub fours because there's been obviously a, a, a big avalanche of them in the, in the last half decade. And not all these guys turn into immediate superstars. Some maybe you could say they lose interest or they peak too early. Um, it's not the Allen Webb situation, of course. Obviously, there's six seconds of difference, but it's not the oh, this automatically means you're going to be a mega super duper star. I could mean that, and it's obviously fantastic what he did, but we used to look at this as an eye of, oh, this is the future. Now we've had enough guys who have stumbled after breaking four that were like, mm, that's not that's not a guarantee yet. I'll be eager to see what he does. I mean, he's going to Washington and joining another guy who almost broke four, Cruz Culpepper, of course, the son of Allen and Shane Culpepper. Washington's looking awfully good. Andy Powell is... Uh, recruiting awfully well it seems uh, early on but yeah my reaction impressive the way he he closed it because when they came to through at like 203 i almost shut off the stream i was like oh they're not doing it and and he closed like a maniac it was awesome yeah that last 400 it was almost like all those other guys were set up to pace him and i know there were mm. actually two rabbits in the race but the way he flew by and accelerated on the backstretch it looked like it was his race all keyed around him. And I know he's been doing some impressive time trials, 403 in the mile before that. He broke 150 mm -hmm. in the 800. You brought up a good point about the high schoolers being, the elite high schoolers being unleashed. They're not tethered to a high school schedule. They don't need to run mm -hmm. and double and triple. And oftentimes they do have fast enough teammates to pace them through portions of these races. So they're able to rip off these quick times. And the case of Dashback, you get the 403 under your belt, you're probably feeling pretty good that with some more competition and a better setup, you can go even quicker. So not surprised from that perspective, just the more shots you have at it, the more chances you have to run something incredibly quick. And when you're a high schooler 
and you're running close to four minutes in a mile, there's not too many people who can run with you and provide you that guidance along the way and push you. But they were able to to come up with it here. And I think you brought up a good point. You know, Gordon and I talked about this last week, the difference between junior and senior in the international sense of it. It's like everybody cares about the junior record and then you age mm -hmm. one year and you're every other person. You're just lumped in. Yeah, he he's gonna join a Washington team that's very good, right? So he comes in as I'm the ninth best high school miler of all time. I broke four minutes to I'm mm -hmm. one of many on this team. I'm the fourth best yeah. guy. I, I don't have the the, the stats yeah. in front of me, but Washington obviously has a bunch of guys that are under four or capable of going under four. You just become another guy at that point. I'm surprised we haven't seen Gordon's list, uh, you know, of of guys on Washington's roster telling us what kind of cross country team they can have in the fall and or what their four he, by mile or he, DMR can look like. He's yeah. projecting a four by mile. That's what he's doing. Yeah. Um, it could be it could be pretty pretty good. Listen, if if anyone is listening to this and they haven't watched the race, uh, the the his his awareness, obviously you know your splits while you're going, but his awareness to of when to make a move was actually it was was really impressive. So often we see, and it doesn't make it any better or worse, but so often we see these races happen in um, pro fields, professional fields. Sorry, that was escaping me there. And and hey, which I'm right here you, for you. Man. you you don't really, yeah. You don't really have to do a whole lot of thinking. You're just out there racing, and that was the the case for him as well. Um, but to, like I said, to come back after a two o three first half, and not only to have the speed, but to kind of have the 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 wherewithal to to really have to work in lap three and obviously in lap four was was quite impressive because. Again, most often we I, I think back to you know Grant Fishers or Reed Browns. Those guys are coming through at two flat. I mean, to, the difference between yeah. doing this when you when you come through at two flat versus literally two o three is tremendous. And I, I again, I literally was like, I'm should I turn this off? This is gonna be a four o one race. Uh, when I saw him come over at two o three, but to to his credit, he he made it made it happen. I I went from yeah, they're probably not gonna do it because the halfway split is too slow to with about 300 to go when he made the move, he's definitely going to do this. He's Is he going to run 356? He looked like yeah. he's a man possessed. He was yeah. flying down the backstretch. As you brought up before, no guarantee of success. We've seen people's careers go all sorts of directions after breaking four in the mile. But as my House of Run co-host Jason says, you'd rather run faster than four minutes than slower than four minutes. Well, listen, given that's... The choice. Yeah, that that sounds like a simple take, but it's it's it, if you actually look at that, I know we're just being silly, but it, there is some 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 things to it because now the listen, there's not a whole lot of pressure in track and field. We like to say there is, but he's he's a lot bigger name now than he, if he would have run you know four four flat zero zero zero. Yeah. Um, so he does put a little pressure on himself. So you're saying, would I rather do this now and then hope that I can continue to get faster or would I rather not do this? Um, and, and, you know, have that. I'm just saying you'd rather be in faster. Front of me. Yes. I'm just saying you'd rather of course. be faster than not as fast. Yeah. I'm just saying he's got a little bit of a target on his back now, not a huge one. Cause honestly okay. like it's track and field. And, and so he can't be quite as anonymous as maybe he could have been otherwise as a, as a college freshman next year. I don't know if the pressure got to some guys like Matthew Maton, who's the kid from Pennsylvania. I can never think of his name. Uh, Slagowski. You know, those guys, those, their career, yeah, those careers didn't pan out. And 
was it the pressure? Probably not, but it could have been. And so we see some of these guys. It's interesting to look at the 11 and be like, okay, an Olympic superstar, Jim Ryan, Alan, Alan Webb, American record holder. And then you run the full spectrum and Verspikas flamed out, unfortunately. And guys like Sagowski flamed out and so did Maton. It's just, it's, it's interesting that nothing is a guarantee in life, but this, this is not a, not a guarantee. And, and the fact that we still hold this with such reverence is interesting knowing that. And I think it, it is just because it's an accomplishment in and of itself. It doesn't have to mean anything necessarily for the future. It's just something we continue to value. And I think even when it gets up to, this is the 30th U.S. high schooler to break for, we're still going to give it the attention. Maybe not as much as Alan Webb but or or Grant Fisher. But it, it's uh, this isn't going away, this fascination with the high school sub four. Yeah, it's a perfect encapsulation of where high school running is at. Like the depth is... The depth is there now, but we don't still have – it still takes a special talent to get to the top of that list. Yeah. 353 yep. is in a whole different league than well, 359. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah go, 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 Going to the pre-classic and finishing fifth is, is in a whole different category of performance and then being able to go and compete soon after that at USA's. Um, but I just think, was there more pressure on – Reed Brown than Cooper Tier, two Oregon guys. One barely went under four, and one barely was over four. I don't know if that yeah. still exists. I don't. Mm. I'd be curious to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, that's that's a good point. Um, but to my credit, the one who didn't but, go under four is better now. So maybe. Yeah. Well, the Sam causation versus missed. correlation, but yeah, yeah. Sam Worley just missed. He's had a a great career. I, the interesting, the great, the interesting what if is the 2000 pre classic. So, one year before Alan Webb, Don Sage, as a high schooler, ran four flat. And I think if he mm-hmm. ran 359, that would have been a huge deal because it had been since the 60s and he would have been the next one. Now, Webb threw gasoline on that because not only did he break four, he broke Jim Ryan's record and he did it in such a spectacular, high profile moment that it made yeah. it that much better but i think i think sage even going a couple tenths faster and running 359.99 wouldn't have had the high school record but it would have been here's the first guy to break four in high school since yeah. the 40 40 years 30 plus years whatever yeah. it was i can't do math but yeah it's okay. a long time and, mm-hmm. and i think that one now when you talk like you look at 2017 what was it how many guys went under and how many guys ran four flat three guys ran four flat and Two yeah. guys went under, or one guy went under. I mean, it's just uh, yeah. it, it, it it's becoming it's becoming commonplace. So I think we do need to keep it in perspective. If someone turned in the ninth best eight hundred time, yeah, yeah, in history, yeah. I don't think we'd talk about it as much. But we do have a round number bias here, so we of course talk about the four minute mile more than anything else. Of course, yeah. Somebody needs to hire the the mile for their marketing PR campaign. No one's had a better run as far as marketability than the the men's mile. So, yeah. All right, let's do our deep dive now. I'm excited about well, this one. Th- one. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. I don't know if you missed this, but it just just quickly, we can just talk about this for 30 seconds. The Impossible Games, Team Ingerbritsen versus Team Chariot. Did you see that? No. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted this to make sure happened? we fit this in. So yes. So. Uh, a team consisting of uh, Timothy Chariot and 
uh, Elijah Manigoy and somebody else. I don't know. They're calling it Team Chariot, probably because he's the world champion. Um, it's not just filled with brothers. But they are going to race in Kenya over 2,000 meters at the exact same time while the Ingebrigtsens race at Oslo over 2,000 meters. And the fastest combined three times will be the winner. Whilst Ooh. at the same time, the Ingebrigtsens are going for a four, the Steve Cram's 451 European 2000, rec, 2000 meter record. Can't get enough of records. Uh, yeah, I just want to make sure you're aware of that. So we kind of get a resolution or figure out what the Ingebrigtsens are doing and Timothy Chariot going at it. And it's uh, remote. It's uh, going to be fascinating to, to watch the how they're going to pull this off both technically and I I don't know. It's it's fascinating. The ultimate Garden 2K. I've been waiting for this. Yeah. Yes. 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 So that was just uh just announced today. Uh Managoy, I guess, is is back and healthy, ready to go. Uh they're gonna be dealing with a little bit of altitude deficit, I guess, but uh they should be used to that. Uh but in the coming days and weeks we'll be having our picks and analysis of this fascinating 2k not sure why that's the distance they settled on but i think it, the ingebrigtsen's wanting some more records has uh, something to do with it so can you get me the full roster here yeah yeah they haven't so you have to i think it's um you have to compete with five i believe uh okay yes let me see drop this in okay blah 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 so they're going to run in Nairobi. The race will be shown on international TV as a split-screen competition and is named the Mari Plant Memorial in honor of the Australian uh, Athletics agent passed away in January. They're chasing the year. The Ingebrigtsens are chasing 451.39. Um, yeah, I don't have the only, only the only Kenyan athletes they've announced to me is Timothy Chariot and Elijah Managoy, the last two world champions. So I don't know who else. <laughs> Because what if I told you this? What if yeah. I told you there were three Managoys? Yeah, there are, right? Yes. There's I just other, pulled up yeah. an email. So so I emailed Elijah Managoy's agent back in 2018. Oh, right. I don't know if you remember this. He was wearing NOP clothes on Twitter. And people oh. thought, did Elijah Managoy join NOP? NOP. Yeah. And, and he's like, and he's, and so I wrote him and he said, no. And, and then he said he added a note that said his younger brother. So this is 2018. George won the 1500 um, in was that the youth championships or the juniors or whatever. He okay. He did something good. Uh, and then he added a PS. Now the third Managoy started to practice. Oh, so that was 2018. So you could go. I don't know if it's fair because I don't know all the ages here. But you could go Managoy versus Ingebrigtsen just straight up. Yeah, but God, Tim Terry had said, I'm only competing if the name is Team Chariot. It's not, this is not happening. <laughs> and also, they're like, <laughs> that they're like, should we put Timothy Cherry on the team? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll work. Yeah, that'll work. Uh, so, when the when the Ingebrigtsens raised last week, I was pretty good at predicting their time. So when this gets closer, I'll Ooh. I'll work work up in the lab and figure out what we're gonna what we're gonna get here and and have my my picks. But this will be this will be interesting. This piques my interest a little bit more than the uh, ultimate Garden Clash, the ultimate 
2K Tangle is, uh, that's just what I'm calling it for now, uh, is going to be quite fun. So that's June 11th as well? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Good job staying focused mm -hmm. on the wires, by the way, Lincoln. Yes, that was very good podcasting by mm -hmm. you. Yep. Because if you didn't do that, we would have finished the podcast and started kicking ourselves because yep. any crumb – any crumb of news, of news we yep. need to devour <laughs> like the ravenous podcasters that we are. Um, yep. Okay. Are you ready to talk about this race now? Yes. Let's do it. Yes. Okay. We got about a half hour, which I don't know if it's going to be enough time. I honestly, mm -hmm. I don't know because I have so many notes, but first of all, let's just, let's just uh, set the table here a little bit. Okay. I think yep. in this race, there are six people that are noteworthy and the reason why this race was so spectacular was there's not many times in track and field when everybody you hope to get to the starting line of a major championship actually gets to the starting line of the major championship. And then yep. from there, all of their storylines were so fascinating. You had Caster Semenya. We'll start with her. Obviously, the 800-meter star from 09 when she won her first world title, one in 11 one in 16 but she's new in the 1500 she's new in the 1500 right. and only ran one 1500 that year that 2017 season prior to the world championships and it only run one diamond league 1500 in her entire career like that was her only european 1500 it was in lausanne in in 2018. um you had debaba world champ or record holder Silver in 2016 Olympics. You had Faith Kipiegon, the Olympic champion. You had Jenny Simpson coming in with multiple medals. You had Laura Muir racing at home and trying to break through for the first time. And then you had Safan Hassan, who was bronze in 2015, fifth in 2016, but was on an absolute tear entering this meet. Yeah. She had the fastest time in the year, 356. And had won in Rome and Hengelo and Paris. And this looked to be her moment. Uh, one funny thing I noticed here, Lincoln, was when she was introduced, she was introduced as the world indoor champion, which is just funny that that would be her top accolade back in 2017. Well, it, but that was true. Yeah, it kind of was. Yeah, it, exactly. it was. Yeah. It, it was. She was known for coming uh, close, but but no cigar out, outdoors. So absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so the 25th, so let's go back a bit here. Uh, even more. And just, so 2015 world champs, Dababa gold, Kipyegon silver, Hassan bronze. Then you have 2016 Olympics, Kipyegon gold, Dababa silver, Simpson bronze. So there were four people who had gotten medals in the last two major championships. And then you throw in to those four, you throw in Semenya, who's moving up in distance, and that's fascinating. In the same way, I think we would have been really interested if David Risha just decided, screw oh, it, I'm going to run a 1500. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Muir racing at home, trying to finally get a medal. And she had been running very, very fast in 2016. She ran 355. So she was right there, yeah. but she was just trying to get over that hump. So you had all six there, all with very interesting storylines themselves what to you what was the most interesting aspect of of the race going into it well like what was oh, the going question into it. yeah yeah not of the race itself because we'll get to that 
in a second, but just going into it, what, what was it? The Semenya angle? Was it, can Dababa get back on form? Was it, will Mir figure it out? What was it? Yeah. If I look back at the actual time, it was definitely about Dababa, you know, coming back. I think, I can't remember if she was, was she injured? Because in she raced basically in July and then it had been, she showed up and didn't race for the month before uh, mm-hmm. Worlds, which was kind of, seems like a, something she does frequently. And then of course she disappeared before 2019 Worlds as well. I don't know if she can't get healthy or what exactly is uh, going on. Uh, we think back to 2017 with Dababa. I think back to the fact that just a year prior, her training camp had been raided by by uh, by mm-hmm. the feds i guess uh so there was there was always drama associated uh with dababa but but for me looking at this i i i think back the fact that hassan had beaten kip Yegon in paris in their last race i think in their last 1500 before before this so this was kind of was was hassan gonna break through and 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 trump kip Yegon. That that's what I was thinking because Kip Yagon had been very very strong throughout the year, but that the defeat and we know Diamond League doesn't always translate, of course, to World Championships or Olympics. But you know, seeing that and and uh, the fact that she seemed to be taking on a different edge since joining the Oregon Project, I think was uh, uh, it was a question about what how how she was going to be able to fare against uh, this field. It seemed like she was at a new level. I remember being really interested in the dynamic that. Semenya presented because if you remember in 15 it went out really really slow Dibaba went to the front with 800 oh to go God. and grinded grinded things down 16 it went out really really slow almost carbon copy of what happened in in 17 in many respects mm-hmm. but I thought are they going to be able to do that with Semenya in the race yeah. are they going to be able to do that and and get away with it Semenya didn't have any experience didn't really know how much longer stuff she was doing in training or if she was just doing this just to see if she could pick up another medal but that is what i wondered about and in retrospect it's interesting because they the race looked pretty similar they did they went out really really slow again in this one and and on the seminia side i think her inexperience in this distance really shows in 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 this race yes she gets a you know no spoilers but a spoiler uh medal but her positioning, I thought, was horrible throughout this race. Now, I know she has a bigger body, so her tucking inside isn't going to be as easy, and she hangs to the outside and gives herself a chance. But And, and Kip Yegon is fantastic, and Simpson, all the, all the athletes here and have way more experience. But she was all over the place and was back for quite a ways. Now, she doesn't make the worst tactical decisions. We'll save that for Safan Hassan. But uh, here, it, I, I, it was wild to rewatch this and just see that uh, – when you think of, I know the 800 and 1500 are, are way different, but when you think of the way Semenya runs an 800 where she's entirely in control the whole way, this she was letting everyone else dictate. And of course, like I said, mm-hmm. that's probably the fact that this is not her distance, but man, could you see that here? She looked, didn't look comfortable the entire way and was basically just saying, I'm just going to, I'm not going to make any moves. I'm just going to kick for home because I know I've got the mm-hmm. best, got the best finishing speed, but it was it was weird to watch that because the like I said the differences between the way she runs at eight hundred and a fifteen hundred polar opposites. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's let's get into that meet. And I think an important thing happened in the prelims, and that was Dababa is the second to last person to qualify for the final, mm-hmm. and that's rare to have a 
a yeah. favorite, a reigning champion, barely squeak in, and then somehow in the final find second life. Usually that's a, a red flag, a big warning that something is up. But she's the world record holder. She owned 2015. So you still think, okay, she's got a chance. Do you think, though, she ran the, a tactical race in 15 and it worked? But then she they did try the same thing in 16 and it didn't work. And then she tried the same thing again in 17. Now she got last. So you could say, well, she just didn't have it. So it didn't really matter what plan yeah. she took on. But in a race like that, where you have someone who can close like Semenya and obviously someone who can close like Kipiegon because she did it to you the year before, I'm surprised that this thing did not go out harder, even though the two previous championships were slow as well too. I thought at this one one of these people would have learned the lesson and not left it late. Like someone like Mir or Safan Hassan, who had been running 356s all the time, would try to make it a 1,500-meter race from the gun. Yeah, obviously, knowing through years of track and field watching and whatnot, it's always easier said than done. And with Dababa, you would think if she was struggling at all, she's going to try to – she doesn't want to do it. If she's questioning her fitness, I think you just say – Listen, in 2015, which was only two years ago at this point, I closed in whatever it was. Would she close in like 158 or something? Is like something absurd? 159. Yeah. Um, you know, you hope for that again. And so, if it's a if it's a long push, that might be kind of helpful. Um, with Hassan, I the w- one thing. I mean, you watch this and then see what she did two years later where she just blasted from the front. Yeah. And really, the two situations couldn't have been t- um, much more different. Going down or all the way down to the fact of the crowd, very present here, loaded stadium uh, to Doha yeah. where there's you know hardly any people. But here, through the first 900 meters, she's in last place. And two, again, two years later, she's you know going at it from the gun. So you, I think she learned her lesson here. Um, Hassan, 600 meters to go, tries to make it, tries to have the long drive for home, and it almost works for her. Um, yeah, I think there were a ton of tactical errors here. I think Dababa uh, was one of them. I mean, she she was in there kind of like Samania. Didn't seem like she had a plan. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it it it's 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 always fascinating to me the athletes that are these world class athletes and can even be champions that seem to just be followers instead of you know kind of takers. And and yeah. and uh, Samania and and Hassan were not Hassan, but uh, Samania and uh, Dababa seem to be like that, where they just have no clue what they're doing tactically. And this this race in particular rewarded those who 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 made who made the the right decisions. And uh, but yeah, it starts out as a race that I, it's like no one wants to wants to take it. And Mir goes straight to the front, yeah. which I think was a decent move. We we ride her a little bit for it's like, oh, she can't figure out the tactic. I think in a slow pace, getting getting yourself up front is not necessarily uh, a, a bad thing here. And um, so I, I almost wanted to do an article like ranking uh, from first to Dababa, uh, the the tactical the tactical blunders here uh, because it is fascinating. You're being hard on Hassan, which I, I think you're being too hard on Hassan because she went out and last in Doha this year too. She only stayed there for about 300 meters before she got impatient okay. and realized okay. Okay. that okay, she's yeah. the best runner in the field. But yeah, but you're right. You're right. She did start out in last in this one. The crowd was packed. You could just feel the energy. I don't know. When I was rewatching it, I was almost getting goosebumps again because I was going mm-hmm. – back to that moment the announcers are saying things like it's an ab- going to be an absolute classic it's the greatest field ever assembled every single protagonist is there it was just again 
so cool to see it all come together, everybody at at full strength. And then the gun goes off and it goes super slow. And then the tension yeah. just builds and builds. 6535 for the first 400. Is that, I think that's right, which wasn't insanely slow, but then they throw in a 71 second lap. Yeah. I mean, you just, if, if it's, if it's going to be in the you know, mid 60s, then you just know the next lap is going to be just dreadfully slow. Um, <laughs> I love, I wanted to do a remix of British or European announcers, all the different ways that they say, that a race is slow and it sometimes it's slow and it, but it's, or it's, it's absolutely pedestrian, you know, stuff like that. It's just like, I, I need like a tape of that because it is agonizing Lincoln. Yeah. Just I mean, it's just like, we, we know, we know, we know, we see it's, and we're, we're still, I'm not turning it off just because it's, it's so slow. I mean, they do. I, I know that's that stuff we do as announcers as well. It's just always it's always funny. It's like, oh, here it comes. Uh, the pace is slow. Okay, um, you know, it's. I, I don't know what the world record is for um, for the quickest that an announcer has declared a race to be slow, but this one was got to be pretty close to it because I feel like it was said within the first wow. like two hundred two hundred meters. It's it's funny you say that because I rewatched the pen relays four by mile from twenty fifteen. Over the mm -hmm. weekend, because Gordon said that it was his favorite mile of all time, and I thought that was the worst take of Gordon's many horrible takes. Yeah, and you are one. on the mic with him. You are on the mic mm -hmm. with him, which old Lincoln on the mic sounds like current Lincoln, but with three beers. It's really kind of a yeah. weird experience. And well, it's more accurate than you know, but yeah, they they would get so they passed off to Cesarek, and yeah. Villanova was close by. The camera isn't even on the anchor leg runners yet at this pen relays race and you <laughs> start yelling it's a jog already yeah. because the camera is still <laughs> on the other people making the pass so you're talking about something yeah not great commentary you gotta talk about what's on the mm. screen but i think you might have that record that you just said about yeah. earliest good that it was tactical uh because good. you said it good. literally as he gets the stick <laughs> and then it cuts to them and you're absolutely right you guys called it from yeah. the get-go. Obviously, then it got more absurd as it went along. Yeah. And then it culminates with that one weird backstretch thing where they keep their jogging. And then the Georgetown guy goes out wide and like does a sprint for like, yeah. 20 meters and then stops again. Yeah. Gordon, by the way, called it embarrassing twice. And then now all of a sudden it's his favorite mile race of all time. So that was great. In any That's, event, yeah. in any event, it was it was tactical. The tension mm -hmm. builds. So they're 217 through 800. You knew somebody, and that's the other thing. How many times, how many ways music. does it come? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah. I think, okay, the, the first nominee to go there would have been Debaba, but she's not right for whatever reason yeah. because she went, she went with 800 to go in 2015. Muir, I think, would have been another nominee. And then Hassan as well. But Jenny Simpson's not going to go because she's a no, master no. tactician. She knows exactly what she's doing. Semenya's not going to go because she's going to kick. And Kip Yegon is also very confident in her clothes. So it had to have been either Muir or Hassan in that case. And it ends up mm -hmm. being Hassan who is the aggressor and who takes the bait. And immediately there's a gap mm -hmm. and it splits the field at that point with 600 to go. Mir gets boxed in because of course, 
Debaba tries to make a move, but um, it's very reactive at that point. I, uh, you always want to cover moves, and this, but this Good one was advice. so. This one was so yeah. This one was so aggressive that I was a little surprised to see Simpson cover it so quickly. But she, when Hassan zooms around and then they're at like five seventy five to go. Simpson covers it immediately as if to know, and obviously when she's doing something, you know it's basically the right move, uh, that even this far out, this is this is super serious. And I thought that was a key moment uh, for her because not everybody did that. Uh, I think much and, and, and Simpson did, but that, that to me was a, a sign of respect for how good Hassan had been going and, and, and knowing that it was very a very real possibility that she could drive this home from 600 meters out and win it. I think the issue that people have with Muir is that in, in races like this and other ones is she's trying to do – she's not sticking with one strategy. And I think if she was the aggressor with 600 to go and just made the bold move – the heroic journey to home and it didn't work. It's fine, but it's a little bit of everything that she has tactically. Mm -hmm. And Simpson is different. She commits to her strategy. Either she goes or she waits and you know exactly where she's going to be. When I was watching this, I thought back to 2015 because I rewatched that one. She was glued right to Debaba's back and then mm. she lost her shoe. She lost her shoe. Yep. She had her shoe stepped on yeah. with two to go and then at 600 to go she kicks the thing off but i rewatched that race lincoln and i'm not saying she would have beaten 100 percent debaba in that race but she certainly would have meddled she certainly mm -hmm. would have meddled in that race because with 600 to go jenny simpson in second that's a good position for her to yeah. be in look at how yeah. she's done historically in that spot yeah 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 Absolutely. I, right. I, I have the take here that I don't think I don't think Muir ran a bad race here. I mean, I don't know. I don't think so either. Take. I'm just saying no, no. Yeah, I, all I'm saying is that the, the critics of her tactics would just be or if I was, you know, looking at it from an analyst perspective, it's like commit to one thing. Because I mean mm -hmm. this is Muir all time. This is Muir all time in the in the fifteen hundred oh, uh, outdoor championships. Fifth, seventh, fourth, fifth. Yeah, it's tough. She's always it's there. Tough. She's always yep. there. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, yeah, this may have been her closest. I mean, well, this was when she finished fourth. So yes, it was. But uh, she had it. I mean, her and her and Hassan have it in this in the last hundred, and then it just all it all falls apart for them. But uh, um, well, walk they me through the, the bell last three hundred four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. They, okay. They, they, they hit the bell in three hundred four. Uh, Hassan is in the front. They hit 1200 and 31894. So that 400 was a 6181. So they go yeah. from a 71 to a 61, just like you draw it up. And well, and Hassan probably ran a, I mean, probably ran a 59, right? I mean, to get to where <laughs> she is. Yeah. Semenya is an eighth, which will be important later on when we talk about this. And not just a eighth at the back of a pack, but there's like three people, then a little bit of a break, then yeah. two people. They were scattered throughout that backstretch. Yep. And then we get to 200 to go. Mirrors into third, and the crowd gets loud because mm -hmm. there's Hassan and Kipiegon, a little bit of a gap, Muir, and then a gap to Simpson. Now, 
having a gap on Jenny Simpson with 200 meters to go of about five to 10 meters is like being ahead eight points on the Warriors going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, like, it's not you are super not safe. Relevant. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it could be erased at any moment. And in retrospect, you probably look a bit silly thinking that it will hold up because almost as quickly as she got that lead, Simpson just kicks in into overdrive and starts mowing people down. But then with a hundred to go, which as you mentioned, you could write a whole book on the last hundred Kip Yegon and Hassan neck and neck. That looks like gold and silver mm-hmm. mirrors in third, but then Simpson is closing and Semenya is oh now God. already up to fifth and is closing Debaba at this point is drifting back. She yep. made a little bit of a bit early on, but she's drifting back. And it looks like these five are going to be the top five finishers. And you think you have an idea about how they will place, but it goes completely haywire there. I just, I will never understand. And no one has ever given me the expo- full explanation for why this always happens or seems to happen. But the Hassan with Simpson coming on her back, drifting out into basically lane 1.5. What, wh- why does that always happen? Like why, why, why? I mean, if, if, if that doesn't happen, I mean, Simpson may be blocked because she's not going to be able to go wide. So yeah. she just, Hassan gives Simpson that, that inside lane, which uh, helps her get silver. Now I, I you know, and, and they do a, on the, on the clip, uh, on the World Athletics page, they do a, a nice like slow mo view of like Simpson clearly yeah. like marking Hassan and seeing when she goes wide, and that's exactly when she takes her chance. On the on the other side, it means Semenya is just I'm a sub fifty second four hundred meter runner. I'm gonna destroy you um, because again, like I said, mm-hmm. she didn't she's way outside and didn't run. I don't think that great of a race, um, but she just has the overwhelming speed. But Hassan, I mean, it's just a tragedy and a, almost a comedy of errors. And I feel comfortable saying that now that she's the 1500 and 10,000 meter global hold champion. On. And basically, hold on. Yeah, go. hold on, hold on. First of all, Faith Kip Yegon's last hundred was the least interesting and she won the gold medal because she just keeps going <laughs> and wins. Well, I mean, and I, I, let's not take any credit from her because we talk about Simpson. And obviously, there's some bias there saying she's a master tactician. Kip Yegon runs a perfect race, and she's also just clearly way better than everyone in this in this field because yeah. she absolutely yeah. destroys destroys Savannah San in in the last hundred. It is it is just a, yeah. a, a I mean a blowout. It's incredible. But I know I'm I'm saying that to say that we're probably not going to talk about Faith Kip Yegon right now as much mm-hmm. because her last hundred was it was so good it was kind of mm-hmm. boring. And behind her was a a Shakespearean drama mm-hmm. and a Coen Brothers mm-hmm. movie all in one. Yeah. It was just everything. So I don't – I remember thinking that Hassan drifted out way more than she did. Now, when I rewatched it and I saw all those replays, she is in lane 1.5-ish. She's yeah. also got elbows and a very yeah. wide – for those of you watching on the video, I am simulating Safan yeah. Hassan's – arm carriage when she runs famously in 2018 uh there was some rubbing there there was some bumping and bruising at the world indoor championships why does she move out a little bit one i think it's momentum two i think it's smart tactics to go a little bit out don't leave enough space for someone to go in which obviously Mm -hmm. she did but then you force people to go outside what happens here is not sifan hassan making a huge mistake 
it's Jenny Simpson. Yeah. Pulling off a Houdini act on the inside. Mm. I have no yeah. idea how she gets through there. Two people are not supposed to fit like that going at that speed with no contact. And the person who really suffers from it is Laura Muir. Muir moves outside because she, she has to go around Safan Hassan, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Thinking that Simpson is going to be blocked. She, she's not looking at Jenny Simpson, but Muir's move was right. She's moving out. She's moving out to go around mm. Hassan. And then Simpson takes the inside route. And again, you have the wild card there of Caster Semenya. And it all, boom, collides at the finish. The, the last 30 minute, meters, there could have been any different combination of silver and bronze there. Yeah, it's, it's the butterfly. The, the Simpson butterfly effect is, is, yeah. uh, is quite, uh, you know. The, How did she get through there? I still don't know. Wide. I don't know because... I don't know if Hassan's elbows weren't quite as sharp as they are in modern age now or how she exactly fit. I See, to me, you were saying it doesn't look like she, in hindsight, looking back, it wasn't as much as you thought. I, I thought it was a, a decent amount of space. It's not like she had to step the rail or anything to get through there, but uh, it was just enough. It was just enough room for her to, to, to slip by. And, and, you know, she was fading a little bit too. Um, so I, it's just was. a... Yes, Hassan was the, the 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 you know the wherewithal of Simpson to do that is simply incredible. Uh, it'd be worth asking her to to know exactly what was going through her head if she if the she risk. Um, yeah. What if Hassan takes a quarter of a step inside? Yeah, we have Jenny a, Simpson's yeah. on the infield. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not only is she not, she's probably getting six. There's probably somebody else who comes up from behind her because yeah. her momentum is completely stopped. I mean. Yeah, you're so right. You're saying most, like yeah, you're saying most people wouldn't go for that move. I mean, that's how it 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 was just too, too small of a little a little gap. A thousand percent most people wouldn't. Yeah. They would she would turn for home, she'd look at the home stretch, she'd see what's in front of her, and everybody does that. Everybody drifts and drifts and drifts, which is why you have oftentimes people almost out in lane three finishing these races. But I don't know if it was, I'm just this far committed. I'm already up her back. And I didn't think Safan was going to slow down this much. And now that she has, I need to make a move. But based on Jenny Simpson's CV, I'm willing to think it was planned. And they had one of the, did you see one of those replays? She's like Mike Singletary reading like the running backs uh, yeah, hips yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. Like she's yeah. looking and scanning and scanning and scanning. Yeah. And you can almost see her eyes light up. When she notices that there's just that little break and she's able to get through, I, I, it was incredibly risky. If Lord Amir mm-hmm. did that and it didn't and it didn't work out, the, the entire British press would yeah. have left the stadium and yeah. lit the printing presses on fire. I don't know; they don't have mm-hmm. printing presses in 2017, but in this analogy, just yeah. just just go with me here. Like they would have said that was a what are you doing trying to pass mm. on the inside? Mm-hmm. But I think. I think part of it, at least initially, and maybe we can get Jenny on the show to talk about this and be like, we want you on for an hour to only talk about the last hundred meters yeah. of the London, London, <laughs> uh, 1500. I think maybe she thought, hold the line on lane one. Safan's going to come across. She's not going to die that much. So we won't even need to worry about passing on the inside. 
and then the opportunity yeah. just availed itself and she scooped it up. But there was so a huge risk there, Link. Is is Jenny Simpson like this is may not come off as a as an apt comparison until you let me explain, but like the Dennis Rodman of track and field in the sense that Dennis Rodman famously, like everyone's been reiterating over the last couple of weeks, it was like, you know, studied rebounding, knew knew his teammates' tendencies for where their misses went. Did Jenny Simpson study how all of her competitors, or at least all the athletes that she thinks there's going to be there in the last hundred, does she does she study their their bodies and and you know does she does she measure measure their <laughs> how how much room is going to be if they're in lane one point five? I mean, is she that in tune with the the science? I mean, we don't because we talk about tactics like it's like the last one percent to figure out when you're an elite yeah. racer, but for someone like. Like Simpson and other athletes, of course, it's not just the Americans because it seems like we could fall into this trap of being like, oh, the Americans are so, you know, so tactically sound or, you know, it's not, yeah. not at all true. Uh, but but for her, it, it is almost like she devotes a lot more energy than most to knowing this, these final last percentage points because it's, again, it's something that's very underrated. But I think it it absolutely pays off for her to know, have such body control and to take such a calculated risk here. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. I just think at that level she knows that that's with that distance being so quirky that that is that can sometimes be the difference between a medal and no medal and even mm -hmm. where you position yourself with 400 to go matters because that could be a difference between getting second or getting seventh, right? Yeah. The the margins yeah. are are so small. I just think, look, you, you've run track before, not at the world championships, not even at the NCAA championships, but yeah. you've done a bunch of track workouts and you've run a bunch of races on the track. Passing on the inside is unnatural, right? Mm -hmm. It feels weird. It feels yeah, no, like you're, you're right. doing something you're not supposed to do. Yeah. And oftentimes when you try to do it or you think about it, you might hesitate and say, oh, should I go there? And you take one step and you realize, okay, no, that's not going to work. Now, yeah. this is a much higher stakes game, but that just furthers my point. It more often goes wrong than right. Wasn't it? It was Robbie Andrews in 2016 at the Olympics, right? Went, ended up on the inside yeah. of the track. Um, yeah. Now that not apples to apples comparison, but things like this can go wrong. You can get disqualified. You can bump into people. I just, mm -hmm. again, so much other stuff is happening in that race and it's just like an explosion at the end there because you're looking every single different direction but that was the thing that stood out to me and i'm glad and the broadcast they showed the super slow-mo from every possible angle because the the commentators were in disbelief too they were like wait yeah. a minute how did simpson do this yeah yep no it was a full-on full-on masterclass of her of her entire race not only just covering moves earlier but then the, the the threading the needle uh was unbelievable an, an, an unbelievable uh move and it's no wonder that she has how many medals now she has four medals uh it's mm -hmm. deserves deserving of them she she gets she squeezes the absolute most out of her all of her ability for for sure um because uh and she's got a lot of ability. Let's not underrate yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, no. It's just, but it just feels like somebody that that you know, she's not somebody that's run 
uh, is, is running 354, 355 all the time. Now she's run run super fast, and you know, I I, I feel like her, what is her PR 357 maybe, and which is obviously fantastic. But the consistency and showing up, and they say it over and over. You know, they they talk about it. Somebody that always seems to get it right at the championships. I mean, it's it's. That, that's the most important skill to have as a track and field athlete, you know, and that's why we revere her so much is because uh, the opposite is a Laura Muir, somebody who in, in probably diamond leagues for the most part is going to whip Jenny Simpson's, butt. Uh, not always, but for the most part, but then when it comes to the championships, it, the narrative becomes oh, Laura Muir close, but never figured it out. Jenny Simpson. Now she's done this so many times. We, you just figure she's going to yeah. find a way. And uh, that has to do with tact. That's that's tactics, hundred yeah. percent. And uh, it's it doesn't mean she medals every single time, but but she's going to be there. And uh, and if her decisions, if 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 she's in position with the last lap, you you think she's going to get a medal? So Mir misses the bronze by point oh seven because Semenya goes crashing across mm-hmm. the line there. You could almost have some leaning differential there because Muir was a bit back and obviously Semenya threw herself forward. The finishing time, 402.59. No one really paid attention to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I noticed in the post-race interview, Maraf Bata apparently was heated. She wanted to have a protest because Simpson made an aggressive move on her with 600 to go and people asked Simpson in the mix zone, do you think do you think there'll be a protest? Did you do anything oh, untoward? God. And Simpson just brushed it off. I went back. You can't really see. You see them kind of make contact, but it was 600 um, to go. I want to do real quick before we talk about the the aftermath of what happened next. Real quick, like lightning rounds that I'm mm-hmm. introducing to now to all these watches that we or the, all these races that we rewatch, uh, where you just you propose an alternate like an alternate day. Strategy for them. So obviously, with the big six, six, what could Kip Yagon have done differently? Nothing. I think she ran perfectly. Yeah. Obviously, because she won the gold. Simpson, could she have done anything differently? Let's go through these real quick. Uh, um, I, I don't think because so. I'd say no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> what would what should Muir have or what should Hassan have done differently, if anything? I think made her move with one to go, not with a lap and a half to go. That's that's my opinion. She ran out of gas. I mean, I think it was too too much. She had she she went from twelfth to first with six fifty to go, and that was too much, and that's what cost her a medal. See, I think the opposite. I think she should have done the slow wind up from from three out, or done the twenty nineteen playbook. Yes, she would not have run three fifty one. Yeah, but she was the best right at that moment, flat out from the gun with Dababa being hobbled. Okay. Yeah. Semenya, Semenya, could she have done anything differently? Should she have done anything differently? I think so. Yeah, I think she should have been in position. I think she should have been in the top three group. That it, it wasn't too fast for. Her. Um, yeah, I think she would have. I mean, knowing that she kicked down however many people. What did? What did, I mean? How many people did she run down in the in the last lap? We know she went. <clears throat> she was eight. <clears throat> excuse me. Beat Muir and, and Hassan, but it, I mean, it was it was she was passing multiple people before that, I think. So she could have been way better position. And, and maybe we're talking about a double gold medalist here. I don't think so because he's yeah. on so good, but certainly a possibility. Okay. All right, Muir and then Dababa. What's Muir's alternate outcome? Because because I, I actually think, like I said earlier, I think she ran a pretty good, uh, pretty good race. Um, 
I, I you'd have to remind me like does she get boxed at a certain p- point or what is it because of i don't course. i don't feel I, she's but yeah yeah i mean so so it's in the it would be in the middle because somewhere in the middle and i I'd, I'd have to go back and i i did watch this again last night so i'm not like i'm just going on this blind three years on but i'd have to go specifically to to what what exactly she she did because i don't think she's I, I don't think a strategy for her going from the gun is going to work. And I don't think a strategy just waiting for the last 400 is going to work. So I actually thought she, she did okay. It seems like maybe she fell asleep in a little bit in, in the, the middle laps when Hassan started to go. So maybe covering that move a little bit better. Um, but what were your thoughts? I disagree. I think she should have gone from the gun. I think she should have become best friends with Safan Hassan the day before. And they should have said, Hey, listen, yeah. we are both very, very fast. In this final, we're going. There's four. There's four other women who can medal in here besides us. One of them is Genzebe, who barely made the final. One of them is the best 800 meter runner in the world. Another one is a tactical yeah, okay. genius, and and the other one is the uh, Olympic champion, who's probably going to be there regardless. Let's try to get rid of at least three of those people, and then yeah. both of us can medal. And for yeah. Muir, a medal would have. She still doesn't have a medal, so even getting third, I think, would have been a huge accomplishment. I would have said go hard from the gun. Now, in retrospect, okay. we have the precedent because we watched those 2019 1500s, but that's that's what I think she should okay. have done. It didn't – I mean, mm. she's really good at these – Muir makes these valiant moves for home that ultimately are very ineffective. Yeah. Right? Like she makes a push She makes a push with 600 to go or she makes a push with 300 to go, and they get the crowd going and they get people excited, but like – as I'm saying, commit to it. You got to commit mm-hmm. to it and, and yeah, do right. it at a point yeah. when it can happen. That's, that's what I think. Uh, and then the yeah. last person would be Baba. And the only advice I would have had for Dababa would have been to maybe not just set every like world indoor record every season and focus more on the outdoor season. Yes, I would agree with that. Uh, no one cares that you're time trialing three Ks in February in Sweden. They would prefer or give you more. And I know she's got the the world titles. Um, and I'd forgotten that she was silver in Rio, uh, probably because anything she does that's not gold was kind of a disappointment. But yes, definitely, if we're going to look back on her career, and I don't know if we've seen the best of Jinzebe Dababa yet, I assume we have. But uh, yeah. but uh, yes, I, I would say, you know, let's save some of the February magic for August and September, and maybe you have a chance to show up healthy. So the aftermath of this race, Semenya goes on and wins gold in the fifteen or in the eight hundred. Mm-hmm. That was after. So this was her little warm up. Dababa scratches the five thousand. Hassan Not gets surprising. bronze. Hassan gets bronze in the five thousand. Uh, we talked about. I mentioned mirrors all time fifth, seventh, fourth, fifth. So still looking for that medal. Simpson has four medals. Didn't get one in Doha, but ran ridiculously fast. Yep. And this was Hassan's you know last global championship before outdoor championship before world domination <laughs> yes uh she became a totally different athlete in in 2019 and uh of course her coach was was banned so people are gonna she she uh had to answer some some tough questions from me and the in the media you know me and the british media Just were kind of tight um <laughs> you guys had an alliance crazy. too yeah yeah it's crazy how much how things have changed for her because you did kind of look at her as like a 
as, as someone like a Laura, Laura Muir, even though she had some medals and she had won some world indoor stuff, it's like, well, when is Hassan going to figure it out? And she figured it out by just saying, ah, screw tactics. I'm just going to just, yeah. you know, flaunt my fitness over everyone. So that does lend credence to what you're trying to say with Muir and obviously what you're trying to say with Hassan. Just go, just, just go and, yeah. and absolutely even after rounds just try to run a pr and and that that that's your best chance she had run 355 the year mm-hmm. before and safana yeah. Hassan was running 356s multiple 356s they could they could have made it work somehow mm-hmm. i i'm struck by just this era being that era being so cool and i don't know if we're still in that era obviously semenya is not out there which yeah. is a huge bummer and debaba's not consistent at that level yeah. anymore yeah, yeah. but yes. like but you could but you had all these years where it was simpson debaba kipyegon hassan muir all of them mixing it up and i think next year we could still get a simpson a kipyegon hassan muir muir still has a chance for a medal i mean she could still get a gold medal right her career is not not oh, done yeah. at all we have some new names circling in there as well people like you know, shelby Hulahan, for example. Yeah. Uh, or Sagai from Ethiopia. That 1500 last year was obviously super duper fast. But I think what I liked about this race, as the commentators mentioned, all the protagonists were there. And then you had the wild card effect of Semenya thrown in the mix. I don't, we yeah. may get these people racing again. I don't know if we'll get a race this good in this, in this era again, because of everything that was at play there. No, I don't. I mean, you just don't. I mean, Semenya, uh, someone of with all the the buzz around her, obviously you're the you're unlikely, especially with the current rules, to get someone of of uh, like her ever ever again. Yeah. Uh, so so that yeah, that does put the kind of the icing on top of the cake here for for making this one an an all time an all time race, and, and you know, Muir at home makes it extra, mm-hmm, just gives yeah. it that extra like that Brit when they announce her the 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 Brits all throw up the the union jack uh it's yeah. it's like it's on a di- every time it's something is in london it's like it's on a different planet it's like someone's tricked mm-hmm. them into thinking tra- track and field is soccer or something it's just it yeah. always is crazy that that it, to see it's exciting to see that when people are that excited about track and field it's just it's it is not the norm it, it'd be like if the world championships were at drake next year and shelby Houlihan was in the final yeah yeah and, yep. and the stadium was three times the size it was yeah yeah, like that that home when you have a hometown person in the race, it just makes it in a track and field meet. It just makes it so much more interesting mm-hmm. to watch from a spectator's perspective. It's cool when they're cheering for sides and they're not just cheering for everybody to have a good race and have fun out there. Uh, it's uh-huh. exciting <laughs> when there's it's exciting when someone's getting a bigger roar than all the other ones because this is after all competition sports. Sports, yeah. Sports, sports, sports. Uh, FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com. And that's going to do it for us, Lincoln. Thank you for indulging me on this. This was mm. fun. I legitimately had fun doing the research and re-watching the races and chatting about it with you. Yeah, I encourage people to go watch these The when World Athletics will post them now and they post the full aura of it. You know, they don't do like mm-hmm. a... A, a highlight that you maybe would see like in a documentary. There's not like, and in this race before in the diamond league went like this and they don't set the stage, but they do everything. But, you know, they do the intros and they show the yeah. stadium and then they do 
the athletes going into the stands to get flags afterwards. And so the, it's the full experience. So I encourage if you've got 15, 20 minutes to uh, people to go watch this race for and, and uh, watch the entire thing. It's really cool. I was watching the 2016 race and one of the commentators said as they zoomed down to the stadium, the women's 1500, one of the more important races in the championships, which mm. I thought spot on. And that's that's good. Um, that's that's interesting. One of the more important races, much more important like, than the four hundred. <laughs> he said, or they said something like, "Always one of the like always an important race." It was some very weird, uh, weird statement. Yeah. In any event, if people have recommendations of races to rewatch, Ooh. I'm willing to make this a weekly, ongoing segment, Lincoln. Because even I mean, if eventually track has yeah, come back. Sorry. We have four other days in the week to record, so That's we can true. always do one of these a week. I mean, eventually we're going to have to do the men's 800 in London 2012. I mean, I'm sure that's been done. I mean, I know there's not a ton of track podcasts that rewatch old races, but if there's ever been a, a rewatched race to to uh, to go deep on the men's the men's eight uh, in London from 2012, needs needs to be one. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yep. I'm in. I'm in. Sold. Mm. All yep. right. That's it for today's show. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, thanks for joining us. And you can check out some recent podcasts we did. Lincoln and I talked to Mary Kane on the previous episode. And then two before that, Gordon and I talked with Nick Willis. It was fun. So I hope everybody checks those out. We got a bunch of old interviews on there as well, too. We've done 70. This is 71 podcasts, I believe. So go yeah. back. There Dip into go. the catalog a bit. All right. That's it. See you guys.